Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Planning Podcast Series on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome Ann Berkey, head of the Advanced Planning Group here at UBS. Ann is joined by three senior wealth strategists on her team. So they are Joyce Crivellari, based in Houston, Texas, Catherine McDermott, based in Palm Beach, Florida, as well as Rebecca Sterling, based in San Francisco, California. So some background on the team, the Advanced Planning group here at UBS consists of former practicing estate planning and tax attorneys with extensive private practice experience and diverse areas of specialization, including estate planning strategies, income and transfer tax planning, family office structuring, business succession planning, charitable planning, and family governance. The team provides comprehensive planning and education to ultra high net worth clients. Now, with the recent launch of the new Own Your Worth report from the Women's segment. The team today will reflect on their experiences as women at the table in various situations such as estate planning as well as charitable giving. So with that, let's get right into it. And I'll turn it over to you to lead today's conversation with your colleagues. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dan. Hi, everyone. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Joyce and Rebecca and Catherine. And we've found this latest Own Your Worth report to be really insightful and contain some findings and observations that I think we've all experienced in our client work, working with ultra high net worth clients and women, especially in the context of their estate planning and charitable giving. One thing that the Own Your Worth report noted is that 92% of women believe that involvement in a long-term plan will enable them to make a greater change in the world. And I also think that we see women also believing that planning will help them make a greater change with their family. One thing that we, I think, as a group have observed and noticed in our conversations with clients is that understanding the fundamentals of an estate plan is often key to starting these conversations. And I think we find that across the board, men and women oftentimes don't know how their plan operates, meaning where will their assets go, who will control those assets, who will be in decision-making positions, and ultimately understanding the basic flow of their assets at a given event. So, Rebecca, I'd love to turn it to you just to get a sense of what your observations are when it comes to women and their and their role in understanding their their plan. Yeah, thanks, Anne. Um, like you mentioned, I've found in my experience that most of our clients, whether men or women, tend to lose track of the nitty gritty details of their estate plan over time. Um, As we all know, estate plan documents can be very dense, and it's hard to locate the key or, I guess, most important points in in all of those words and in some of the legalese. So I think it's really important for clients to review their estate plans on, I guess, a semi-regular basis. And, And as I just mentioned, we all spend a lot of time with our clients looking at the fundamentals of their plan and highlighting those key points and key decision points like, you know, what happens if one spouse dies, who, um, who's the successor trustee, who manages the assets. So I would say um, they should review them if there's a change in liquidity, a change in personal circumstances, or just every few years. And in terms of my observations, I found that when I'm talking um, either to women separately or women, you know, together with um, their families, either their husbands or husbands and kids as part of a family meeting, the women really do 
tend to hone in on and focus on the important points that um, they think will be impactful to their families in the long run. So, for example, really, who will manage things? How will it get managed? What are the provisions for my children and how will those provisions impact them? Um, I found really are the key points that they understand the importance of those points and tend to focus on them. I've also found that when there are decision points that I've brought up where I say, you know, I'm not sure if this is something that makes sense for your family, given what I know, um, the women I've worked with are really able to understand why I'm pointing that out and also make a relatively quick decision on any changes that need to be made. So um, I suggest for all of our clients, um, women in particular, but but men and women, it's really important to review your plan and take advantage of the opportunities to review it, whether it's your financial advisor or um, your estate planning attorney, to, to go over that and see if anything needs to be changed. So following up on that, I think that this could be an overgeneralization. I think historically, women may not have been engaged in discussions about their financial lives for a whole host of reasons. How would you suggest women think about approaching their relationship with their financial advisor, their attorneys and tax advisors, if they've not been part of those conversations and really want a seat at the table? I think that's a great question, Anne. Um, I think the most important thing is to get that, get to know those, those people, those important people, whether it's CPAs, financial advisors, estate planning attorneys, and, and start to feel comfortable talking to them maybe apart from your spouse if you haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, definitely on a going forward basis, if schedule and timing permits, join all of the conversations. Try to do it when possible and when safe in person um, and really start to get just get to know that person and or those people and those key advisors and start, um, I think, asking questions. I think all of us and all of the people that we work with are thrilled to have questions from our clients because then we can understand what they're thinking about and what's most important to them. So I would say just um, to the extent you feel comfortable, jump in and start participating in as many meetings as possible, as many conversations as possible. And then, as I mentioned, also have separate meetings and one-on-one -on -one conversations if that will help facilitate the relationship, grow the relationship. That's great advice. One issue that Rebecca raised that I think is really important, women are especially focused on who will be named in positions of control in their estate plan, whether it's a successor trustee or executor or agent under a power of attorney. Joyce, can you speak to some of the observations you have when having conversations with women about those roles and decisions in their own estate plan? Yes, absolutely. And Rebecca, while you were talking, it was kind of making me think of a couple of things that I that I wanted to mention as I lead into the discussion about selection of trustees and who's in charge and and how and when. Um, but a couple of things um, that your comments made me think of is when you mentioned it's how important it is to review estate plans and how very often our clients sort of lose touch with you know what exactly does my plan my plan say why did I set it up the way that I did and how does it all work is that what I, one of the things that I have found is when we begin to kind of walk our clients back through 
the mechanics of their plan, the women, it just kind of, the light bulb goes on and very often they're like, oh yes, this is, this is how that works. And we put that person in charge because of this consideration that we raised at the time of our plan. So I just have observed that sometimes it kind of comes back to them quickly. Um, and I think that lends itself to, and your question to me is, you know, how the plan works, who's in charge, and the impact that this has on their families going forward is just a very personal thing, it seems like, for a lot of our women clients. And then another observation, again, before I jump into my comments on the trusteeship, you know, how can women begin to participate more if they historically haven't? This might be kind of corny, but what popped into my head was, you know, this whole series, this Own Your Worth series. Um, it just made me think of, you know, own your spot at the table. You have a spot at the table. This is your family. This is your financial future and your financial present. And, you know, these are things that impact the, the women as much as any other person in the family. And so um, just kind of encouraging women not only to step into the, converse, uh, the conversations and develop relationships, but also to just know you have that seat at the table already and own your seat at the table. Those were just some thoughts that popped into my head, Rebecca, as you were speaking. Regarding the selection of trustees and, and who is in charge, I think that maybe it's because of, uh, you know, women as moms kind of thinking about the dynamics of the relationships um, among their, their children and other family members who might serve in a position such as trustee. Um, I think that the approach to who is going to be in charge and how the, the administration of, of those assets or in its trust, as an example, if we're thinking about a particular trust for the benefit of a person who has four children, well, they might make a different decision for each of the four children. And very often it's because, you know, the mom might have a very deepened sense of the needs and the personalities and the tendencies of each of those children. And so I have found that in these conversations, and sometimes those can be difficult conversations um, among family members and particularly between spouses, is because, you know, there, there might be a deeper level of understanding of relationship dynamics between particular kids and their siblings or or kids and their needs when it comes to um, managing assets and things that they might have in the future. But that selection of, of trustees and who's in charge is one of the most critical components of the estate plan. And so, you know, from an observation standpoint, I, I have seen um, the women at the table having pretty clear but very personally uh, tailored thoughts about who should be in charge and the impact of assets on their children and grandchildren going forward. Joyce, can you talk to us a little bit about how sibling dynamics and family dynamics can play a role in who to choose as someone who's in a position like acting as trustee or executor or even an agent under a power of attorney? You know, family dynamics and in particular sibling dynamics should be taken into consideration if, for example, if you have, you know, an older sibling who is going to be um, designated under power of attorney, well, and that older sibling is acting on behalf of, say, an, an incapacitated parent, um, very often that is just, you know, ripe for difficulties, controversies, tension on the relationships between the siblings. And another, you know, an observation that I have seen is that 
women are very tuned in to thinking about the potential for those kinds of conflicts arising between their children. And of course, they, they want to avoid that if, if at all costs. And same thing with a trustee. You know, if there are two older siblings that have kind of been put in charge as a successor trustee or successor executor even, you know, kind of across the board in an estate plan, um, you know, there are concerns about how that's going to impact any their relationships with their other siblings if they're having to make decisions about distributions and assets and, and things like that. And I think that that's something that, you know, our the women clients at the table are able to identify and express concerns about and offer solutions for. So that is a critical component of, of the conversation that I think the women can be very additive in helping solve for. Catherine, can you speak to us a bit about your observations when it comes to how women can most successfully engage in a client meeting? When women are involved in the planning meetings, they tend to be much more productive because it's the advisor and the planning team get to hear from the female perspective and she would bring a different perspective than anyone else in the family, as both Joyce and Rebecca have mentioned already. For women who haven't historically been engaged, asking for a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the planning team is always a good idea, if that's something that they would be comfortable with. I wanted to agree there, because I feel like sometimes when women have not historically been involved in a conversation, that if they sit down with us as planners, sometimes they're feeling more comfortable to ask questions that historically they may not have been asking those questions or, or been part of that conversation. So I, I think you make a great point. Yeah, thanks. I think also a lot of times when the plan fails in the long run, it's often due to lack of communication. So I'd really encourage our female clients to communicate with the team and with their families. Once they have their arms around the base plan, it's really helping the rest of the family understand why things were put into place the way they were. I mean, a lot of our clients act with the best of intentions and Sometimes it's the next generation or the generation after that interpreting why were these trusts set up this way. And that interpretation, if it wasn't communicated properly, is misinterpreted. Sorry to jump in. This is Rebecca. But I just wanted to say I completely agree with you on that last point. I would say I don't want to over this, but every time I have been involved with engagements where part of our primary goal is to communicate with future generations on why certain plans were put in place or certain trusts or why the family is doing things the way they have, which is intended to, to um, facilitate a smooth transition from one generation to the next, it's always been driven by, by the women in the family to make sure that we are communicating with um, children and grandchildren and explaining things and, and making things as clear as possible. So I couldn't agree with you more on that last point. Moving to charitable giving, the Own Your Worth report found that 7 in 10 women have increased their philanthropic giving over the past two years. I would love to hear from each of you what your observations are when it comes to women's role, especially lately, in the family's philanthropic endeavors. Rebecca, can you kick us off? So in my experience and my observation, when we work with philanthropic families, and in particular philanthropic women, but um, philanthropic families where both, you know, um, 
husband and wife or both spouses are involved. I've really been impressed by the women's drive in terms of setting the charitable goals and purpose for their philanthropic organization um, and then putting a plan in place and really implementing it. So by way of example, I've worked with a family who has, um, you know, both private foundation and donor advised fund, and they actually use those funds to implement some charitable goals that are near and dear to them. And, and one particular example is funding a huge arm of an educational program where they put in a skills lab and all sorts of training facilities for students and, you know, thought through from start to finish and I had the opportunity to to go see it, um, and it was really driven, I'd say, 99 to 100% by this woman's experience in her education and what she wanted to accomplish. So, and that's not, you know, that's one example of many. Joyce, what are your thoughts? My thoughts kind of stem a little bit more toward my thoughts around, you know, selecting trustees and things like that, because I feel like my observations have been that women tend to not only, you know, kind of drive the, the charitable goals for the family, kind of identify many of the causes that the family ends up supporting, but also my observation has been that it's very important to the women at the table to involve the kids and the grandkids in the philanthropy. Um, and also another observation is that it's, it's definitely, they, they appreciate the tax benefits that you get from charitable giving and philanthropy, but that's not at all what it's about. It's definitely more about how can we bring about change and benefit other people and just kind of, you know, help improve the world. And one of the ways in which I, I think is very admirable that I see is to involve kids and grandkids in the charitable giving from the from a very early point. And one example would be, you know, if they have a private foundation and or a donor advised fund, seeing this with both, but to kind of allocate an amount that each family member, child, grandchild can give for charitable purposes that are important to them. And I've seen those exercises driven by by the moms, the grandmas, and the women in in the family and um so that's that's something that i see as kind of a trend right now that i haven't you know haven't always seen it's kind of a, a trend that's been on the uptick that i think has been um really interesting and and great to, to watch Catherine, what do you see in your practice listening to everyone it's really jogging my thoughts a lot i have a f number of female clients who know exactly what they want to accomplish and come to us to say help me find the most tax efficient way to put this in into being um you know this is what i want to do help me structure it in a tax efficient way so that that's interesting um and I also have female clients who say, you know, I've got some of my children who are involved in the family business and I've got other children who are not. And I'd like those children to help run this philanthropic endeavor of ours. And so use the philanthropy to involve children who aren't otherwise involved in other family endeavors. Um, so those are two, two areas that I... I find that discussion a little different um, with my female clients than with other clients. 
I think the decades of experience that the women on this call can bring to the table in conversations with the clients is, is pretty incredible. And I think that this Own Your Worth report that has just come out really highlights some of the unique perspectives and priorities and challenges sometimes that women face when thinking about their planning for their families and for the causes that they support. So I would encourage everyone, if you haven't yet, to get a hold of this report Take a look and continue the conversation with your financial advisors and your families. Thank you so much for your time. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.